Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I am your host Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week is our 50th, yes that's right, 50th episode um, and that is just a huge milestone for us. As you know if you have been listening for the past few episodes, um, our our uh, our interview last week with with Stephen Perkins, which was a really great interview that I really highly highly recommend. Um, it was uh, during the one year anniversary of the program, the the same week that we launched this time last year. Uh, and now that we're at episode 50, I felt that that this is a good time as ever, as good of a time as ever or as any to really sit back and instead of going into anything about the NFL because my god I I cannot stand anything that's going on on social media right now with with uh, in regard to the NFL and the national anthem so we're not even going to cover it because if you know me at all you should know where I stand on that it is ridiculous it's stupid it's working me up just thinking about it just how ridiculous we are spending our time wasting our time thinking about and talking about and getting angry about something like this that is so minuscule and so unbelievably stupid uh so this week instead of doing that instead of instead of working myself up to to think about the the real brilliance in our our national dialogue um, we are going to be having, as you can tell from the title of the episode, I'm going to be going over 10 lessons. And this will be a little bit of a shorter episode, I, I think, but it'll, I, I feel, be just as meaningful and just as powerful. Uh, it's certainly going to be a bit of a reflective, um, if, if not reflective in the, in the meaning of the show, as well as myself and hopefully yourself as well. Uh, but we are going to be going over 10 lessons for libertarians after 50 episodes here on Liberty. And these lessons, while, yes, it, it is in, in the title, 10 Lessons for Libertarians, you'll find that you don't necessarily have to be a libertarian in order for these lessons to apply to you because these are, I believe, universal lessons. And any good lesson shouldn't just apply to one group of individuals, but, but universal truths are just that, universal. Uh, so we are going to be going over that. We're, we have a lot to go into in the future, and we will be previewing just a little bit of the future toward the end of this uh, episode. But first and foremost, let's get into that. What are some lessons that we should be learning now that we've had 50 ep- that were 50 episodes in what are some lessons that we should learn and appreciate and maybe really ponder and think about whenever we really get into this into this political nitty-gritty what even are we even doing uh, when we are fighting for for the liberty movement and the first lesson is, it's I, I will say it, it does kind of start on a bit of a depressing note, but that's okay. Um, the first lesson is that you're going to be alone, quite often actually. Do not expect 
especially when you get into this, especially if you're listening to this and you're not somebody who is politically active or you're just starting out, do not expect everybody that you meet to be your closest allies. Do not expect those allies to remain your allies. What you have to do is hold firm to the truths that you know to be true. What you have to do is never compromise on your principles, the principles of liberty, the principles of economic and personal freedom, the principles of individual sovereignty and individual rights, those principles that make us distinct, that make us human beings. When you start selling out those principles, it's really easy. It's really tempting because you don't want to be alone. You don't want to be depressed. You don't want to be alone. But as long as you are standing, as long as you are holding firm to what you believe, as long as there is one person who is able to do that, then it's not meaningless. The movement continues. The revolution continues, as, as the saying goes. If you, if you want to look at the perfect example of this, just look at Ron Paul. Now, this is something that Senator, he's a, he's a, he's a, um, a state senator from Maine, uh, somebody who we have not had on the program uh, here as of yet. But he was recently, this past year, at the International Students for Liberty Conference, and he told this story, and it really struck a chord with me because, yeah, yeah, it can, it can be lonely a lot of times because a lot of people from all different angles will try to get you to cave so they can get you to bend to their will, but you cannot let them do it. The perfect example of this, as I was saying, is uh, with uh, Congressman Ron Paul. He spent the majority of his, overwhelmingly the majority of his time in Congress alone on the House floor saying no to what everybody else thought was just common sense. It's political, uh, you know, it's political football. It's just a back and forth. But he stood his ground, and no matter what, even even on the moments that he was literally the only person there who said, no, this is against liberty. This is against individual liberty, individual freedom. This is against the laws of economics. This will hurt the people that you're trying to help. And he and you can make the same case for Rand now. However, now that the the Tea Party revolution has occurred, um, now that we have people like Thomas Massey in the House, like Justin Amash, like Rand Paul in the Senate, uh, toward the end of his tenure, he was not alone. He actually did have some friends. But understand that it may take a really long time before you get that. You just cannot forget what it is that you're fighting for. Because once you forget what you're fighting for, then you have lost your purpose. Then you have lost why you fight. And if you've lost that, then there's no reason to continue. If you're just going to be like everybody else, whether you're going to be a congressman, whether you're a, a rep representative, a an agent of the government listening here, a legislature or whatever it may be, 
uh, or if you are going to be a movement leader in the private sector. If you sell out your principles just to be like everyone else, just to make it easier for yourself, then you've already lost. You might as well stop fighting now because you are no longer fighting for the same principles that I am fighting for, that people like Ron Paul fought for for well over 20 years in, uh, in the House of Representatives in Congress. You're not part of the same movement at that point. That's not to say you cannot compromise, but you must never compromise to win. And that itself, actually, is the second point. Never, ever compromise to win. Winning in and of itself should never be the goal. Now, that sounds that sounds counterproductive. That sounds like, well, yeah, it should be the goal. But winning just to win is meaningless. Just like I was saying before. If you're going to win just so that you won't be, just so you'll feel good, just so that you will not be the, the lone voice on Capitol Hill saying no, just so you won't be the lone um, activist trying to say, hey, maybe we should maybe we should not rally around the same the same guy for president that the entire conservative movement is rallying around just because it's one choice or the other. Things like that. When you start to make compromises here and there, just for the just for the sake of winning, you've already lost. If you cannot win with your principles, you don't deserve to win. You have to go back and keep fighting and keep keep sharpening your argument, keep convincing people because this Leviathan that is the United States government or wherever you may be listening to this, this Leviathan that is government in general, it's been building for for all of eternity its power. You can't turn it overnight. But what it wants you to do is compromise on the things that are absolute universal truths. That's what they want you to do because then they can get you to betray anything. If you're wishy-washy on the things that actually matter, you've already lost. Now, that's not to say that you can never compromise, but it's the Jefferson quote. Stand firm like the rock on your principles, but in matter of style, swim with the current. That's where you want to make your compromises. That's where you want to be flexible. Don't be so stubborn on the technicalities. Don't be stubborn on the how to do it, but never change on the end result. If you want to be pragmatic, I believe, I firmly believe, it is a game of inches. If you want to be pragmatic, that's fine. If you want to be an absolute purist, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe politics per se is not uh, is not your your game. Maybe you're the one who who should be driving the Overton window so that the pragmatists can stay on stay on the right direction. But that's fine too, as long as your principles are never compromised. Those are the things that must never be compromised. It's like what I was I was talking about just a few weeks ago 
on our Founding Fathers episode uh, for, for Constitution Day on, on how libertarian the Founding Fathers were. Yeah, they compromised. That is true. I understand that. But what it's, it's, it's a half-truth because what did they actually compromise on? It wasn't their principles. If you go back and look at the debates and the conventions that occurred during that time, they got ugly. They got heated. They were as bullheaded as ever, much more bullheaded than anyone up there in Congress right now, except for maybe the exception of Rand Paul or, uh, or, or Thomas Massey or Justin Amash. Much more bullheaded than any of those. Never, ever compromise on your principles. The founders understood this. So if you're trying to be like the founders, if you're trying to use compromise as an excuse to, to be like the founders, you have to understand they compromised on what they could compromise on. They agreed on what they could agree on, but they did not compromise on the things that were eternal truths. Now, how do you win? That's that's the that's the great question. I, I brought up these past two points on how <laughs> the more depressing points that yeah, you're gonna be alone. Yeah, it's gonna suck. Just face it, okay? It's going to suck. You will face you will hit incredibly low lows. Trust me, I know from experience, you will find yourself incredibly depressed. Sorry, it's going to suck. It's the resilience that matters. It's the ability to bounce back. That's what matters, to get back up and never stop fighting. Now, how do you win? You win by going back and starting to build a community on those like-minded individuals. This is this is the entire purpose of this program. This is the entire purpose of this show. And I started this last year on September 22nd, 2016. The purpose that I laid out for this program was to build a community of liberty lovers while talking about ideas, while engaging with each other, while not necessarily always agreeing with each other, but understanding that as a community with like-minded individuals who may not always agree, but we understand what our, our eternal truths are and we do not compromise on those truths and we build each other up. That's why I'm trying to, to reach out to all these different people to, to interview with them and, and, and get their perspective on things and going on other uh, podcasts like, uh, like our friends at the, at the Muddy Waters of Freedom with uh, Matt and, and Mohammed. That's what that is all about. We have to build each other up. Yes, we are all individuals, but we're not an island. And that's the difference. That's that's where I, I steer away from Ayn Rand a little bit. And that's I mean that's that's a little bit of a preview for next week's episode. Um in in a in a special interview I'll I'll talk about later here toward the end of the program. But yeah, we are all individuals, but we're not an island. We have to take back the word community. Liberty is based in community. We can't let the left own that word, just like we can't let them own liberal. Liberal means liberty. Community means the same thing. Because there is no community in communism. It replaces the community with the state. It, com it replaces the community with the collective. A community can only exist if the individual is at the center of it. A community can only exist if the individual truly is the smallest minority, and that minority 
is protected above all else. We have to build those communities within our own circles and branch out. Start start truly expanding them. Now that's number three, to build a community. Number four, don't be afraid to be wrong. Now this is now this is more uh, interpersonal, I would say. Uh, lessons for libertarians to learn. But remember, these are not just for libertarians. You can share this with uh, a liberal friend of yours, a conservative friend of yours. These lessons will all apply to every one of them. But this is a libertarian show, so I'm kind of biased. Don't be afraid to be wrong. That's number four. That's the fourth lesson. Being wrong is okay. Being wrong, it sharpens you. It helps you learn. It helps you reject those things that you thought to be true. It helps you move on from those things to to put them aside and say, yeah, I have grown. It gives you experience. And then when you're not wrong, it sharpens those ideas. Maybe you were wrong on something, but the, the main point of what you were saying was right. Well, if you reject what, what is wrong, then your argument is even stronger than it was before. There have been I don't I, I cannot tell you how many things that I have I have flipped on. Not flipped, I don't want to say flipped like because it sounds like I'm a, a flip flopper, but I have evolved on uh, ideologically, spiritually, um, and and any other acronym that you want to put in front of that. Uh, I used to be a very strong social conservative. Now I am a borderline anarchist. I'm a minarchist. I don't think that there is any room for government that is outside of the very specific role of protecting people and protecting their rights specifically. That's it. That is absolutely it. But I used to be for things like the war on drugs. I used to be for uh, uh, much more closed, while never entirely closed uh, immigration, I used to be for much more closed borders than what I am currently. And, uh, And there's a plethora of things that I know for certain that I have changed my mind on. Not because I'm wishy washy, but because I am more solidified and more certain about what I believe now than ever. Because my principles, and that's what it's going to go back to, my why, my why I fight, that stays the same. That has never changed. I always have believed in liberty. And then I looked around me after a while and saw myself riddled with inconsistencies and said, well, something has to change. Either my principles have to change or the inconsistencies have to go. It's the inconsistencies that left for me. For you, you have to make that decision. But do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to be wrong. Because when you're wrong, the right to fail, that's the best. That, that is absolutely. Now, I'm going to get off here on a tangent here if I'm not, if I'm not careful. Completely sidelined. Uh, <laughs> the right to fail is absolutely what makes America so unique. It's what makes America, I think, the greatest country in the world. Because the ability to fail is the ability to learn. The ability, you have no ability to succeed if you cannot fail. Truly fail. I mean really, really hard. 
It doesn't have to be really hard, but it teaches people their limits, first of all. It teaches people their limits, it teaches people where to go, and it teaches people where they stand. Now, going into number five, once that you have weeded out those inconsistencies that, that you've, you've found within yourself, once you've found yourself fearless of being wrong and you have found the truth, stand on that truth, be confident in that truth, be unyielding in that truth, and never back away from it. Because the truth, yes. Now there is there there are a few there are many libertarians I know within the libertarian community that do not believe in universal truths. I absolutely do. Individual rights are universal truths. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That's what Jefferson was talking about in the Declaration of Independence. I absolutely believe in universal truths. When you find that 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 truth what on whatever issue it may be or whatever uh, philosophical ground it may be, never ever back away from it. Anything else is subjective. Anything else is absolutely fine to change. Anything else absolutely you, you should be willing to accept that, you know what, maybe this is this is wrong. Maybe I've had the wrong perspective on this. Let go of those things if they're wrong. If, if they're right, but maybe it's your tone that's wrong, let go of, of the tone. Sharpen yourself. Learn to sharpen yourself. But never, ever waver in the truth. That goes back to the first few points. It can be lonely. It can be depressing. I know that. But never, ever waver in it. Because the truth, it, it's true. The truth will set you free. Now, the next point is after you have pushed yourself, after you have found out within yourself what is right and what is wrong, um, and you have found the truth whatever that may be for whatever issue it is. And always, uh, let, me, let me stay on this just for a little bit before we go into the next, uh, next point. Um, always be willing to accept the possibility that you could still be wrong if you aren't absolutely certain. If you're like 90% there, accept that possibility don't pretend that 10% does not exist. Because that will, again, as I said, if somebody pushes you on this, I mean really, really pushes you on this, it'll sharpen you like never before. If you're wrong, you can throw it away. You can have new arguments for, for what you have found to be true. But if you're right, then you've never been more right. Now, once you have found that, once you have found the truth, how do you communicate it? The next point, I think, is perhaps just, just as, if not more important than everything else that I have mentioned up to now. This point, number six, is that you have to show empathy. This is where the logic and the reason separates, and this is something else I've really tried to hound on uh, in the past 50 episodes not every episode i've hounded on this but a, a general theme 
over the past 50 episodes is that yes, logic and reason, those are your compass. That's that's where that's where your compass is on what is true, what is not true. You got to you got to shed the emotional side of it. You have to in order to find what's right because if you only act on emotion, you're bound to make some pretty massive mistakes. Not only massive, but sometimes detrimental. Because emotion can blind our logic and our good judgment. It's not it's not heartless to be reasonable. It's not heartless to be logical. Even though it seems that way sometimes. But what is heartless is whenever is 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 the reaction, the communication that we give through it. If you are only caring and only looking at the logical side and completely shutting out the emotional aspect and thinking that people will just they'll look at your logic and think, "Oh my gosh, you're right." Well, that in and of itself is illogical. Because people are not robots. People are not these these cold, hard creatures that that just run on steam and oil. No. They're emotional human beings. And in order to communicate that, communication is so key and we are so bad at it as a liberty uh, as the as the liberty movement. We have to get better at this. Communication is key. We have to show empathy. Not necessarily sympathy, because I I don't know, like if if my family, I mean, I still have a, a core family. If nobody in my family has died, but somebody else has died, somebody else has a single mother and is struggling uh, to afford their health insurance, and they want single payer for that reason. I can't sympathize with that because I don't know what that is like. But I can empathize with it. I can show them like, yes, look, I do care about what you have to say. But let's not let our emotions get in the way of our good judgment. Let's not let our emotions make a bad situation worse. We have to, with, with caring and compassion, show them that the right answer is the compassionate answer. This is the, this is the morality of the marketplace. This is why, uh, why I have been talking about the morality of the market for so long, because it is that important. That is our answer. That is how we win over people, is showing people, not just telling them, not just you know throwing the numbers in their face. Not just saying, "Hey, look, uh, capitalism has provided this, this, and this. It's provided your iPhone and stuff like that." Show them the true morality that comes and in ind- with individuals coming together, because they know that government won't do it. Not that they they can't do it, but they won't do it, or that they know that government does a really terrible job at it. And often makes matters so much worse. When you give people the opportunity to act, they always pick up the slack. And that is the message that we have to communicate. Show empathy. Use compassion. Use use your other functions (laughs) other than just your brain. You also have to use your heart without replacing the logic.
that is, I believe, the the answer that we have to approach whenever we are communicating this with with individuals. Now, the um, the next point <laughs> is oh, I I hesitate to say that any one of these points are any more important than the other because they all are. They're, uh, they're all important. They all are. They're all important lessons that I believe that people should should know. And I have to to hurry up because I, I promised this episode would be short, and I'm already pushing up against time. Uh, but for the next point, avoid echo chambers. I think the worst thing that we do as libertarians is that we get in, we go to these these big conferences, and we go to uh, you know all these different libertarian conferences and. We all talk about start talking about Mises and Hayek and Ron Paul and Rothbard and, and Bastiat and all these different things, and we're all just patting ourselves on the back. Or either that or we're fighting over which, which one is the real libertarian, which I think is a bit of a strong suit for libertarians because we are constantly questioning each other, but even libertarians can find themselves in echo chambers and these little cliques within our own movement. It's really important that we avoid those echo chambers. It's really important important that we avoid those confirmation biases. Go outside, and this goes back to, to don't be afraid to be wrong. Find the truth. Be confident in the truth. Go outside your circles. Because if you're confident in the truth, listen. If you're confident in that, the truth doesn't change. Don't be afraid to go out and reach to other people. And to the next point that I have for for lesson number eight is not only that I, I want you to go out and, and make friends with your enemies because that's, as, as it's said, as the saying goes, that's the best way to, to get rid of enemies is just make them your friends. Always be in good character. First, this is kind of a, it's split in two. The first half of this is always be in good character, and the second half is surround yourself with individuals who are also in good character. And if there's anything else that I think the liberty movement is somewhat lacking on, other than the ability to show empathy, it is the understated importance of character in individuals. That we have to be a movement of character. I think that is so incredibly important. And we don't really... I'm not talking about what people do, you know, in their spare time, whether or not, you know, their their moral judgments or their virtue signaling, the way that a lot of people on the right, or even on the left, quite frankly, uh, will do just kind of on inverse, <laughs> inverse grounds. Um, I'm talking about people of actual good quality. Now, the good thing is that I, I do believe that most libertarians are like that. However, I don't believe that they they certainly do not overstate the importance of men and women of good character within a movement. We have to be able to communicate that because... When we're communicating capitalism, this goes back to the morality of the market. We have to show people 
that we are men and women of good character. That is the only way that people will be like, no, it's okay. We can, for, for certain individuals, that's the only way that you'll be able to say, no, that's okay. We don't need government here. We got this. Not the government. We do. We have to do that. That is, that is the most important thing that you could possibly do is be a person of good character. Because even when you are talking to people, talking to people who do not share your ideology whatsoever if <clears throat> after you have expanded your your circle outside of your echo chamber to people who may be on the left or maybe on the right if you are all in good character then you can trust that it's not going to go to a to a screaming match to see which one is more righteous than the other that and it separates yourself from individuals who are not of good character because we all know that the world has plenty of them. They're all at the top, ironically. Um, point number nine is that actions speak so much louder than your words. You have to put your money where your mouth is. Live the way that you preach. Practice what you preach. No matter what saying you want to go, there's a million sayings that I I could uh, that I could appropriately attach to this lesson. The consensus is that if you're a hypocrite, no one nobody's gonna listen to you, and two, you're damaging yourself, you're damaging your own conscience and your own character. You have to live like the philosophy that you. Uh, you preach about and that is of liberty that also can be entrepreneurship that also can be um, going out and, and helping with, with community service the possibilities are endless for it but if you're just going to be this is <laughs> this is uh, what uh, Cliff Maloney uh, typically talks about on um, with Cliff Maloney of, of Young Americans for Liberty typically talks about of doing anything is basically better, greater than winning Facebook arguments because Facebook arguments will not turn people over. I mean, they won't. It's it's word. That's all they are. If people aren't seeing your actions, if people aren't seeing what you are actually doing. That's what matters. That's what actually matters. That's how people judge you and judge what you are saying. And a lot of times, even if you're saying all the right things, if you're not backing it up, people will completely dismiss what you were saying as completely wrong because your actions did not match them. Incredibly, incredibly important. Number 10 and the final point that I want to make before we wrap up is to strive for more constantly. Never, ever settle. Never settle. There is always more ground to take. Trust me. The, the statists of the right and the left, they have been working on this battle for centuries. But specifically in America, especially in the past 100 years, it's going to take a long time before we ever get to where we, this utopia that we 
envision and dream about at all these different conferences that we go to. It's going to take a long time. Always settle for more. Always strive for more. We're never done yet. But also in your personal life, on your own personal success. This is sort of a a self-help slash libertarian lesson episode. But also in your personal life. You have to always strive for more. Because if you do not limit yourself, the possibilities, the places where you can go, that too is limitless. One of my one of my favorite individuals in history is Walt Disney, and here's why: he was a he was an entrepreneur for one. He absolutely believed in the possibility of the American dream for two, and he exemplified that dream, mind you. And three, he absolutely saw zero limitation. He said, a lot of people will say, you know, you want to think outside the box. And a lot of people will try to uh, try to limit you to the box. I don't even acknowledge that there is a box. Because once you acknowledge that there is a box, you've already started to trap yourself in that kind of mentality. So just, there is no box. It's hypothetical. What box are they even talking about? I mean, literally, it's it's like the social contract. It's not there. The possibilities are limitless. You are only limited to what you limit yourself to. If you want success, if you want personal success, or if, if, if on a personal standpoint, and within the liberty movement, if you want success, you cannot be afraid to dream. That's the, that's, that's the biggest point that I can tell you, after 50 episodes here, do not be afraid to be a dreamer. Now, those are the 10 uh, lessons that I have for you. I hope you enjoyed that. I do want to preview just a little bit about the future of Liberty, uh, because now that we have reached the milestone of one year in <laughs> in operation, incredibly exciting. Uh, I, I I cannot believe that we've made it to one year. We have so much in store, but I want to tell you about the immediate future first and foremost. Next week, Alexander McCobin of Conscious Capitalism will be will be joining us, and we will be talking about something, uh, some some of the lessons that we had just discussed here, specifically about the morality of the market. And I cannot harp on this enough. I'm trying to find new and different ways to. To angle this, to give you different arguments and different um, perspectives about this, but the but the point is the same. The free market is the most moral uh, system in human existence. That is the point, and that is what uh, Alexander and I uh, talk about whenever we get into it here next week. Uh, after that, it's going to be very fun. Because we're starting something, a bit of an October tradition, and we are starting on October 12th, the horrors of collectivism, horrors, horrors, mind you, not the other word that I'm sure many of you just thought of, horrors of collectivism. Uh, it's going to be a a month, roughly month-long series that we will be doing here on the Liberty for October specifically, because it's, it's Halloween- themed like uh, but really the horrors of collectivism is much more frightening 
than any slasher flick or ghosts or goblins or monsters that can come around on Halloween. So that's what we will be doing on the 12th. We will be going over the uh, the experiments of, of socialism in Venezuela, the 21st century experiment of socialism that here that we have firsthand tangible experience. On the 19th, on October 19th, the following Thursday, we will be diving into our own collectivist roots here in America with uh, the early American progressivism. And we will be having a very fun and, and dreadful discussion about that because some of this, honestly, it's, it's really quite honestly depressing. Um, but this is important history that you have to know and you have to learn. Because you have to know what we are fighting against. And then on uh, the 26th, I believe, let me look at this real quick. Just hold on one second. Mm, yes, the 26th of October, we will be going to uh, China. Uh, not, not literally, but the China's Great Famine is, is the theme for that episode. So we have a great series lined up for you for the month of October in a, in a sort of Halloween theme. But mind you, this is also annual because the, the examples that we can provide are virtually limitless. And then, <laughs> boy, do we have a treat for you. I'm not going to reveal it just yet, but... Uh, this week, I had just interviewed somebody who is a – he is the biggest name that we have ever brought on Mill Liberty, and you are absolutely going to love it. So stay tuned. Within the next couple weeks or so, we will be revealing it very shortly, I promise you, especially uh, after the interview with, with Alexander next week. Uh, it will be sometime after that that we will be revealing this. So stay tuned very shortly, and we will be revealing this. Um, but I promise you, it is something that you will, somebody you will absolutely love and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Caleb's actually that good at bringing guests on. Um, <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Um, but And the best way that you can do this, of course, this is the perfect segue, is to follow me on Twitter, at Caleb Franz. Follow the show on Twitter, at Liberty. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. Uh, give us a rating and a review so that we know that we're doing a good job over here at Liberty. And, like always, until next week, we will see you. <laughs>